0: Chapter four of Religio Medici and Hydrotafia This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit Librivox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee Religio Medici Part one Sections thirty through thirty nine Section thirty. It is a riddle to me how the story of oracles hath not wormed out of the world that doubtful conceit of spirits and witches, how so many learned heads should so far forget their metaphysics and destroy the ladder and scale of creatures, as to question the existence of spirits. For my part, I have ever believed, and do now know, that there are witches. They that doubt of these do not only deny them, but spirits and are obliquely and upon consequence a sort not of infidels but atheists those that to confute their incredulity desire to see apparitions shall questionless never behold any nor have the power to be so much as witches the devil hath made them already in a heresy as capital as witchcraft and to appear to them were but to convert them of all the delusions wherewith he deceives mortality there is not any that puzzleth me more than the legerdemain of changelings i do not credit those transformations of reasonable creatures into beasts or that the devil hath a power to transpreciate a man into a horse who tempted christ as a trial of his divinity to convert but stones into bread i could believe that spirits use with man the act of carnality and that in both sexes i conceive they may assume steal or contrive a body wherein there may be action enough to content decrepit lust or passion to satisfy more active veneries yet in both without a possibility of generation and therefore that opinion that antichrist should be born of the tribe of dan by conjunction with the devil is ridiculous and a conceit fitter for a rabbin than a christian i hold that the devil doth really possess some men the spirit of melancholy others the spirit of delusion others that as the devil is concealed and denied by some so god and good angels are pretended by others whereof the late defection of the maid of germany hath left a pregnant example section thirty one again i believe that all that use sorceries incantations and spells are not witches or as we term them magicians i conceive there is a traditional magic not learned immediately from the devil but at second hand from his scholars who having once the secret betrayed are able and do empirically practise without his advice they both proceeding upon the principles of nature where actives aptly conjoined to disposed passives will under any master produce their effects thus i think at first a great part of philosophy was witchcraft which being after derived to one another prove but philosophy and was indeed no more than the honest effects of nature what invented by us is philosophy learned from him is magic we do surely owe the discovery of many secrets to the discovery of good and bad angels i could never pass that sentence of paracelsus without an asterisk or annotation ascendens thereby is meant our good angel appointed us from our nativity Constellatum multa revelat quarentibus magnalia naturae, i.e., opera dei. I do think that many mysteries ascribed to our own inventions have been the courteous revelations of spirits, for those noble essences in heaven bear a friendly regard unto their fellow nature on earth, and therefore believe that those many prodigies and ominous prognostics which forerun the ruins of states, princes, and private persons are the charitable premonitions of good angels which more careless inquiries term but the effects of chance and nature section thirty two now besides these particular and divided spirits there may be for aught i know a universal and common spirit to the whole world it was the opinion of plato and is yet of the hermetical philosophers if there be a common nature that unites and ties the scattered and divided individuals into one species why may there not be one that unites them all however i am sure there is a common spirit that plays within us yet makes no part in us and that is the spirit of god the fire and scintillation of that noble and mighty essence which is the life and radical heat of spirits and those essences that know not the virtue of the sun a fire quite contrary to the fire of hell this is that gentle heat that brooded on the waters and in six days hatched the world this is that irradiation that dispels the mists of hell the clouds of horror fear sorrow despair and preserves the region of the mind in serenity whatsoever feels not the warm gale in gentle ventilation of this spirit though i feel his pulse i dare not say he lives for truly without this to me there is no heat under the tropic nor any light though i dwelt in the body of the sun as when the labouring sun hath wrought his track up to the top of lofty cancer's back the icy ocean cracks the frozen pole thaws with the heat of the celestial coal so when thy absent beams begin to impart again a solstice on my frozen heart my winters o'er my drooping spirits sing and every part revives into a spring but if thy quickening beams a while decline and with their light bless not this orb of mine a chilly frost surpriseth every member and in the midst of june i feel december oh how this earthly temper doth debase the noble soul in this her humble place whose wingy nature ever doth aspire to reach that place whence first it took its fire these flames i feel which in my heart do dwell are not thy beams but take their fire from hell o quench them all and let thy light divine be as the sun to this poor orb of mine and to thy sacred spirit convert those fires whose earthly fumes choke my devout aspires section thirty three therefore for spirits i am so far from denying their existence that I could easily believe that not only whole countries, but particular persons have their tutelary and guardian angels. It is not a new opinion of the Church of Rome, but an old one of Pythagoras and Plato. There is no heresy in it, and if not manifestly defined in Scripture, yet it is an opinion of a good and wholesome use in the course and actions of a man's life and would serve as an hypothesis to salve many doubts whereof common philosophy affordeth no solution now if you demand my opinion and metaphysics of their natures i confess them very shallow most of them in a negative way like that of god or in a comparative between ourselves and fellow creatures for there is in this universe a stair or manifest scale of creatures rising not disorderly or in confusion but with a comely method and proportion between creatures of mere existence and things of life there is a large disproportion of nature between plants and animals or creatures of sense a wider difference between them and man a far greater and if the proportion hold on between man and angels there should be yet a greater we do not comprehend their natures Who retain the first definition of porphyry and distinguish them from ourselves by immortality for before his fall man also was immortal yet must we needs affirm that he had a different essence from the angels having therefore no certain knowledge of their nature tis no bad method of the schools whatsoever perfection we find obscurely in ourselves in a more complete and absolute way to ascribe unto them i believe they have an extemporary knowledge and upon the first motion of their reason do what we cannot without study or deliberation that they know things by their forms and define by a specifical difference what we describe by accidents and properties and therefore probabilities to us may be demonstrations unto them that they have knowledge not only of the specifical but numerical forms of individuals and understand by what reserved difference each single hypostatus besides the relation to its species becomes its numerical self that as the soul hath a power to move the body it informs so there is a faculty to move any though inform none Ours, upon restraint of time place and distance but that invisible hand that conveyed habakkuk to the lion's den or philip to azotus infringeth this rule and hath a secret conveyance Wherewith mortality is not acquainted. If they have that intuitive knowledge, whereby, as in reflection, they behold the thoughts of one another, I cannot peremptorily deny, but they know a great part of ours. They that, to refute the invocation of saints, have denied that they have any knowledge of our affairs below, have proceeded too far, and must pardon my opinion, till I can thoroughly answer that piece of Scripture, At the conversion of a sinner, the angels in heaven rejoice i cannot with those in that great father securely interpret the work of the first day fiat looks to the creation of angels though i confess there is not any creature that hath so near a glimpse of their nature as light in the sun and elements we style it a bare accident but where it subsists alone tis a spiritual substance and may be an angel in brief conceive light invisible and that is a spirit section thirty four these are certainly the magisterial and masterpieces of the creator the flower or as we may say the best part of nothing actually existing what we are but in hopes and probability we are only that amphibious piece between a corporeal and a spiritual essence that middle form that links those two together and makes good the method of god and nature that jumps not from extremes unites the incompatible distances by some middle and participating natures that we are the breath and similitude of god it is indisputable and upon record of holy scripture but to call ourselves a microcosm or little world i thought it only a pleasant trope of rhetoric till my near judgment and second thoughts told me there was a real truth therein for first we are a rude mass and in the rank of creatures which only are and have a dull kind of being not yet privileged with life or preferred to sense or reason next we live the life of plants the life of animals the life of men and at last the life of spirits running on in one mysterious nature those five kinds of existences which comprehend the creatures not only of the world but of the universe thus is man that great and true amphibium whose nature is disposed to live not only like other creatures in diverse elements but in divided and distinguished worlds for though there be but one to sense there are two to reason the one visible the other invisible whereof moses seems to have left description and of the others so obscurely that some parts thereof are yet in controversy and truly for the first chapters of genesis i must confess a great deal of obscurity though divines have to the power of human reason endeavoured to make all go in a literal meaning yet those allegorical interpretations are also probable and perhaps the mystical method of moses bred up in the hieroglyphical schools of the egyptians section thirty five now for that immaterial world methinks we need not wonder so far as the first movable for even in this material fabric the spirits walk as freely exempt from the affection of time place and motion as beyond the extremest circumference do but extract from the corpulency of bodies or resolve things beyond their first matter and you discover the habitation of angels which if i call the ubiquitory and omnipresent essence of god i hope i shall not offend divinity for before the creation of the world god was really all things for the angels he created no new world or determinate mansion and therefore they are everywhere where is his essence and do live at a distance even in himself but god made all things for man is in some sense true yet not so far as to subordinate the creation of those purer creatures unto ours though as ministering spirits they do and are willing to fulfil the will of god in these lower and sublunary affairs of man god made all things for himself and it is impossible he should make them for any other end than his own glory it is all he can receive and all that is without himself for honor being an external adjunct and in the honourer, rather than in the person honored it was necessary to make a creature. From whom he might receive this homage, and that is, in the other world, angels, in this, man, which when we neglect, we forget God, not only to repent that he hath made the world, but that he hath sworn he would not destroy it. That there is but one world is a conclusion of faith. Aristotle, with all his philosophy, hath not been able to prove it, and as weakly that the world was eternal that dispute much troubled the pen of the philosophers but moses decided that question and all is solved with a new term of a creation that is a production of something out of nothing and what is that whatsoever is opposite to something or more exactly that which is truly contrary unto god for he only is all others have an existence with dependency and are something but by a distinction. And herein is divinity conformant unto philosophy, and generation not only founded on contrarieties, but also creation. God, being all things, is contrary unto nothing, out of which were made all things, and so nothing became something, and omneity informed nullity into an essence section thirty six the whole creation is a mystery and particularly that of man at the blast of his mouth were the rest of the creatures made and at his bare word they started out of nothing but in the frame of man as the text describes it he played the sensible operator and seemed not so much to create as make him when he had separated the materials of other creatures there consequently resulted a form and soul but having raised the walls of man he was driven to a second and harder creation of a substance like himself an incorruptible and immortal soul for these two affections we have the philosophy and opinion of the heathens the flat affirmative of plato and not a negative from aristotle there is another scruple cast in by divinity concerning its production much disputed in the german auditories and with that indifferency and equality of arguments as leave the controversy undetermined i am not of paracelsus mind that boldly delivers a receipt to make a man without conjunction yet cannot but wonder at the multitude of heads that do deny traduction having no other arguments to confirm their belief than that rhetorical sentence and anti of augustine creando infundito infundendo creato either opinion will consist well enough with religion yet i should rather incline to this did not one objection haunt me not wrung from speculations and subtleties but from common sense and observation not picked from the leaves of any author but bred amongst the weeds and tares of my own brain and this is a conclusion from the equivocal and monstrous productions in the copulation of a man with a beast for if the soul of man be not transmitted and transfused in the seed of the parents why are not those productions merely beasts but have also an impression and tincture of reason in as high a measure as it can evidence itself in those improper organs nor truly can i peremptorily deny that the soul in this her sublunary estate is wholly and in all exceptions inorganical but that for the performance of her ordinary actions is required not only a symmetry and proper disposition of organs but a crasis and temper correspondent to its operations yet is not this mass of flesh and visible structure the instrument and proper corpse of the soul but rather of sense and that the hand of reason in our study of anatomy there is a mass of mysterious philosophy and such as reduce the very heathens to divinity yet amongst all those rare discoveries and curious pieces i find in the fabric of man i do not so much content myself as in that i find not that is no organ or instrument for the rational soul for in the brain which we turn the seat of reason there is not anything of moment more than i can discover in the cranny of a beast and this is a sensible and no inconsiderable argument of the inorganity of the soul at least in that sense we usually so conceive it thus we are men and we know not how there is something in us that can be without us and will be after us though it is strange that it hath no history what it was before us nor cannot tell how it entered in us section 37 now for these walls of flesh wherein the soul doth seem to be immured before the resurrection it is nothing but an elemental composition and a fabric that must fall to ashes all flesh is grass is not only metaphorically but literally true for all those creatures we behold are but the herbs of the field digested into flesh in them or more remotely carnified in ourselves nay further we are what we all abhor anthropophagi and cannibals devourers not only of men but of ourselves and that not in an allegory but a positive truth for all this mass of flesh which we behold came in at our mouths this frame we look upon hath been upon our trenches in brief we have devoured ourselves i cannot believe the wisdom of pythagoras did ever positively and in a literal sense affirm his metempsychosis or impossible transmigration of the souls of men into beasts of all metamorphoses or transmigrations I believe only one that is of lot's wife for that of nebuchadnezzar proceeded not so far in all others i conceive there is no further verity than is contained in their implicit sense and morality i believe that the whole frame of a beast doth perish and is left in the same state after death as before it was materialed unto life that the souls of men know neither contrary nor corruption that they subsist beyond the body and outlive death by the privilege of their proper natures and without a miracle that the souls of the faithful as they leave earth take possession of heaven that those apparitions and ghosts of departed persons are not the wandering souls of men but the unquiet walks of devils prompting and suggesting us unto mischief blood and villainy instilling and stealing into our hearts that the blessed spirits are not at rest in their graves but wander, solicitous of the affairs of the world but that those phantasms appear often and do frequent cemeteries charnel houses and churches it is because those are the dormitories of the dead where the devil like an insolent champion beholds with pride the spoils and trophies of his victory over adam section 38 this is that dismal conquest we all deplore that makes us so often cry "O adam quid fecisti?" i thank god i have not those straight ligaments or narrow obligations to the world as to dote on life or be convulsed and tremble at the name of death not that i am insensible of the dread and horror thereof or by raking into the bowels of the deceased continual sight of anatomies skeletons or cadaverous relics like vespillos or grave-makers i am become stupid or have forgot the apprehension of mortality but that marshalling all the horrors and contemplating the extremities thereof i find not anything therein able to daunt the courage of a man much less a well-resolved christian and therefore am not angry at the error of our first parents or unwilling to bear a part of this common fate and like the best of them to die that is to cease to breathe to take a farewell of the elements to be a kind of nothing for a moment to be within one instant of a spirit when i take a full view and circle of myself without this reasonable moderator and equal piece of justice death i do conceive myself the miserablest person extant were there not another life that i hope for all the vanities of this world should not entreat a moment's breath from me could the devil work my belief to imagine i could never die i would not outlive that very thought i have so abject a conceit of this common way of existence this retaining to the sun and elements i cannot think this is to be a man or to live according to the dignity of humanity in expectation of a better i can with patience embrace this life yet in my best meditations do often defy death i honor any man that contemns it nor can i highly love any that is afraid of it this makes me naturally love a soldier and honor those tattered and contemptible regiments that will die at the command of a sergeant for a pagan there may be some motives to be in love with life but for a christian to be amazed at death i see not how he can escape this dilemma that he is too sensible of this life or hopeless of the life to come section 39 some divines count adam thirty years old at his creation because they suppose him created in the perfect age and stature of man and surely we are all out of the computation of our age and every man is some months older than he bethinks him for we live move have a being and are subject to the actions of the elements and the malice of diseases in that other world the truest microcosm the womb of our mother for besides that general and common existence we are conceived to hold in our chaos and whilst we sleep within the bosom of our causes we enjoy a being and life in three distinct worlds wherein we receive most manifest gradations in that obscure world the womb of our mother our time is short computed by the moon yet longer than the days of many creatures that behold the sun ourselves being not yet without life sense and reason though for the manifestation of its actions it awaits the opportunity of objects and seems to live there but in its root and soul of vegetation entering afterwards upon the scene of the world we arise up and become another creature performing the reasonable actions of man and obscurely manifesting that part of divinity in us but not in complement and perfection till we have once more cast our second that is this slough of flesh and are delivered into the last world that is the ineffable place of paul that proper ubi of spirits. The smattering I have of the philosopher's stone, which is something more than the perfect exaltation of gold, hath taught me a great deal of divinity, and instructed my belief how that immortal spirit and incorruptible substance of my soul may lie obscure and sleep awhile within this house of flesh. Those strange and mystical transmigrations that i have observed in silkworms turned my philosophy into divinity there is in these works of nature which seem to puzzle reason something divine and hath more in it than the eye of a common spectator doth discover end of chapter four